Amen. Amen. Well, I tell you, I'm a firm believer that the worship is all what we do from the time we get here till we leave. But the praise aspect of the music is to prepare us for preaching. And I don't know if y'all prepared, but I wanted to come up here about three times already. It's been good this morning as we come to praise and celebrate the life that we have because of Jesus. Because he died, we live. And yeah, he come up out of that grave and he lives forever. And he rules and reigns and he sits upon that throne and he looks down upon us to bestow grace and mercy and treat us with love and kindness. How anyone would not want to come to Jesus. Amen. I just can't get it. But for 33 years, I didn't see him that important. And there's a lot of things that we seem sometimes to look at as insignificant, not important. And I want to look at something this morning that God revealed to me this week. He really popped me between the eyes. So if you get popped between the eyes, I'm sorry, but I've already been there. So I know what it feels like. Anyway, this is a very personal message that God spoke to me, and I hope it'll speak to you. I want to ask you to turn with me this morning to the Gospel of John, chapter 6, to a very, very familiar, very recognized story in the Bible of when Jesus fed the 5,000 with just two fish and five loaves of barley bread. A big crowd of people who were out in the wilderness went way out and was, was suffering hunger and needed sustenance and there was not anything there, but those little bit, but a little bit in the hands of Jesus can do a lot. Amen. And so we look today, and I want you to look with me, and I have called it the lost and sick, insignificant fragments. You'll see why I've preached this passage numerous times. I've read it. Lord knows how many. This, this verse never came out to me. I always stop before you get to it. It's only in John's version of it. But as we look at it together this morning, for those of you who may not have heard it before, we're going to read it together and then I'm going to um, share what God's got on my heart. But Jesus was out in the middle of nowhere and the multitude was there. They had come following him because they'd heard he was doing signs and he was performing miracles on people who were sick and diseased. And as Jesus began to look out over him, it says in verse 5 of chapter 6, Then Jesus lifted up his eyes and seeing this great multitude coming toward him, he says to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, and he said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may even have a little. And to let you know what a denarii was, a denarii was a one day's wage. So 200 working days worth of bread... (laughs) Wasn't even enough to feed them so that they could have a little. And he says right here, and Philip answered, one of, I mean, one of his disciples, Andrew Simon, Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? And then Jesus said, make the people sit down. And when he told them to sit down, and I began, they began to realize Jesus is going to feed us. I imagine they were, were Glad to know that, knowing that they didn't have enough to get back to where they could get bread. They needed to be fed. They was hungry. How many of you have been hungry lately? I'm talking about I got to get to Burger King now, not tomorrow. And I hope there ain't many in the line because I need a Whopper. Well, I'm talking about hungry worse than any of us has been lately. And friends, as they 
gathered here on this mountainside and began to sit. They were in expectation that we're fixing to get to eat. And as Jesus began to fan them, it says that he began to feed them. And Jesus said, make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down in number, about 5,000 people, guys. And Jesus took the loaves. And when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples. And the disciples, to those who were sitting down, they began to hand it out. And likewise of the fish. And this is unbelievable. As much as they wanted. And I've always stopped right there and preached this. I've preached it mainly in other places, but here in John's version, these next two verses come out that pop me right in between the eyes this week. But Jesus says, so when they were filled, after they had eaten all they wanted, Jesus says to the disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. I get my title from that verse, Lost Fragments. I added a word in there, insignificant, and I want to put why, because to them, these fragments were insignificant. They didn't mean very much. They didn't even notice them. (laughs) And I put the word insignificant up there. It means too small or important to be worth anything. Now, I want you to think about this. 30 minutes before they ate all they wanted and got filled, a, a fragment of bread, much less 12 baskets full, would have been very significant. But I want you to think about this. Lost, insignificant fragments. One translation says, gather up the pieces that remain so that nothing is wasted. So Jesus told them to gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is wasted. And it says in the next verse, therefore they gathered them up and they filled 12 baskets with the fragments of five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. You know, it's amazing how your attention and your focus can change once God takes care of your appetite. What did you come here looking for this morning? What's your appetite? What are you hungry for God to do in your life this morning that only God can do? But it amazes me that many times once God does it, our attention changes once our appetite is filled. I want you to think about this. No more appetite. They had been filled. And here's 12 baskets of bread. These 12 baskets of bread became insignificant after they had eaten as much as they wanted and were full. Before they had eaten, when they was hungry, I guarantee you, oh, there's a piece of bread. There's a piece of bread. Oh, there's another piece of bread. But once they were no longer hungry, They just became insignificant fragments that were going to be lost. But Jesus recognized and seen them. The apostles didn't see it. No one out of 5,000 people said, pick up that bread for tomorrow. Pick up that bread for somebody else. Everybody else just looked at it as crumbs, as scraps, and didn't even see its worth. Now I want you to think about this. Loss of appetite can cause a lack of attention. Because some of you today ain't hungry for anything from God. Your attention ain't really on a desperate need for God to do something. Came to church. You hope you heard some good music. Praise God, we did. (laughs) Hope you're going to hear a decent sermon. Well, you better get to praying. 
But you came mainly just because you're not expecting much more beyond what you're used to. And friends, I don't know about you, but God can do miracles. He can feed 5,000 people with a few pieces of bread. He can take broken lives and put them back together better than they were before he found them. He can take whatever you're suffering with, whatever ails you, and heal you, deliver you. He can bring comfort in your suffering. Yet today we come to church many times and because we're not really hungry, we don't really have our attention where it needs to be. And many times we are hungry when we're suffering and something's got our attention, but then once God takes care of it and removes the, we're right back to normal. We don't even see the blessings laying all around us everywhere. But Jesus said, pick them up, gather them up. Don't let them be wasted. You know, there's three things that will make a man's appetite go away. He's already full of something else. He's sick and something's wrong with him. Because if I ain't hungry, something's wrong with me. Or he's dead. If you ain't hungry this morning for something from God, for God to do in your life, you're already full of something else. Or you're spiritually unhealthy and sick. Or worse than that, you're dead and you ain't even saved. I want you to think about this with me this morning. Suffering and comfort very much applies to that. We don't know what it's like to suffer hunger anymore. But can you imagine those 5,000 people out there? They're hungry. From what I read, they were so far out, they probably wasn't even able to make it back to where you could get bread. It wasn't just out of the goodness of Jesus. It was out of the Jesus' grace that he, out of necessity, knew they needed bread. And he fed them. And the amazing thing is once he fed them, they didn't even recognize the abundance, those 12 baskets. 12 baskets of bread is quite a bit of bread, amen? (laughs) Before Jesus took the two fish and the five loaves and did the miracle, I guarantee you if someone would have pulled up on a wagon with 12 loaves of bread, they'd have been getting in line saying, my family's first. But after they got blessed with a miracle by Jesus and their appetite was gone, They didn't even worry about those 12 baskets of bread. Could it be today that we're so blessed, that we're so not of need, that we come and our attention doesn't even see the lost, insignificant fragments that are all around us, that are valuable to God because they're of use to someone else, maybe not you. You know, I want us to turn with me to 2 Corinthians this morning, staying on this same thought in chapter 1. I've been in the ministry for 24 years since I surrendered to preach. I've been pastoring 23, three churches. And as long as I've been doing this, this is probably the most troubled time that I've been in to minister to people. Not only in America and in our culture and society, and, but in the world, whole world, it's troubled, it's bad. But America is bad as I've seen it in my lifetime. They're suffering everywhere. People right now are troubled about what's going on. And, and, and here we are, you know, you, got, you can't even go to Walmart. You got to wear a mask. They finally succeeded. You go somewhere in town, and, and when you look around, to look around, it looks like something bad has happened. Everybody's walking around. And you know what? The eyes I see behind those masks this week are beginning to see that they look troubled. 
they're worried. I don't know about you. They ought to be. Because there ain't nobody got this figured out. Ain't none of them that I can see out there that's supposed to be taking care of it, taking care of it too good. And it doesn't seem to be getting any better. And then on top of that, you have the, the, the rioting and the, the protesting and all of the anger and division among us. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. And then you come into the church and you got your other sufferings that's in every family. Suffering, my friend, is something that everyone goes through. It's not if you're suffering, but when will you suffer again? Because life is filled with tribulations. In fact, the Bible says in Acts 14, 22, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So I don't know about y'all, when I read this verse we're fixing to read, it blesses me to know that our God is the God of mercies and all comfort. Thank God for the comforting power of God in a person's life who believe him. Because if I didn't have the comfort of God right now with all that's going on around me and all the things I get asked and all the things I experience on a week-by-week basis with people who are out there just like me and you, the, the little lost, insignificant fragments of everyone around us that we don't seem to notice that are suffering, that are hurting, that have needs, they're hungry for something that only God can provide. And some of us has already got it. And we just look at them like, ah. But Paul writes something here. And I want you to read it with me in verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 1. He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies. One Bible translation says, the Father of compassion. And the God of all comfort. And then listen to what he says, he says, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. You've been comforted by God before? Has God helped you in your trouble? And then listen to what he says. He says, who comforts us in all of our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Guys, listen, there's a difference between God's comfort and coming to you and comforting you in your suffering and the world's way of dealing with suffering. The world gets over suffering when the source of the suffering that's causing it to happen, the tribulation leaves. Just like those people who were carnal, they were only looking to Jesus for a meal. They weren't looking for Jesus for true salvation Jesus said, why do you keep following me if all you want is the bread that perishes? I'm the living bread. I'm the bread from heaven. I come give you the bread that if you ever eat this bread, you'll never hunger again. But you're chasing me for something that's only going to fill your belly for a day. When I got something that'll fill your soul forever. And we got people in the church today that are seeking temporary things. Fix me, fix this. And then when that temporary thing gets fixed, they're no different. I don't know about y'all, but that says something right here. He comforts us in our tribulation, not from our tribulation. You see, God's comfort doesn't depend on moving the source of suffering. God's comfort is so unbelievable, it comforts you in the suffering. While you're still in the very hell that brought you to God in the first place, he says, I'm going to comfort you. And the abundance of the sufferings that's going on, the abundance of my comfort is still able to comfort you. I don't have to take it away. 
to make you able to feel my comfort. You ever been there? And listen to what he says in the fifth verse. First, let's look at what suffering is. Suffering, a state of undergoing pain, distress, or hardship. How many of you have been in distress or felt hardship lately? How many of you knows life's got pain? There's emotional pain. There's physical pain. There's spiritual pain. There's all kinds of things that robs us of the peace and rest that we want in life. And we need comfort. What is comfort? Comfort's the ease and freedom from pain and hardship. It's the easing or the alleviation of a person's feelings of grief or distress. I don't know about y'all, but I feel grief and distress a lot of times. And I say, Lord, if you could just make it go away, I'd be better. Lord said, well, I'm going to do something better to make it go away. I'm going to give you comfort in the middle of it. I'm going to give you comfort while you're in the tribulation. I'm going to give you rest in the middle of the storm. I'm going to help you to feel my peace. That's beyond understanding because no one can understand how you can be suffering and still have peace. How you can be in a trial and a tribulation in the midst of it and be comfortable. (laughs) But that's what the world needs to see. Not a God who makes life so easy for us we never have problems, which that is not what he does. But he makes life bearable because his presence is so awesome that it's able to comfort us in the midst of our suffering. Yeah, you're sick. Yes, the doctor can't help you. But I'm with you and I'll comfort you along the way. Yes, you're broke. Yes, you lost your job. Yes, you don't have any money but I'll comfort you in your brokenness. Yes, you made a mistake again. Yes, you messed up. Yes, you're a sinner, but I'm going to help you and comfort you and fix you. That's what God's comfort does. I want you to look at this. The suffering Christian keeps his attention on the comfort of Christ. He's looking for the comfort of Christ. He's not looking for the suffering to go away. He understands all I got to do is get the comfort that Jesus has. Because look at what he says in that verse. I put the NIV verse up there because it says it a little better where rednecks like me and you can understand it better. But it says, just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ. Have you shared abundantly in this life so far since you've been sick with the sufferings that comes with Christ? Because it happens. He says, but also... Our comforts abounds through Christ. Yet the sufferings abundantly come, but the comfort abounds through Jesus, even in the midst of the suffering. And I want you to see what he says in verse 5. This is the King James. For the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation, our consolation, we're consoling comfort also abounds through Christ. And then look at what Paul said about himself in the sixth verse. He says, now, if we are afflicted, if I am in a tribulation, if I am suffering, it is for your consolation or your consoling comfort and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. You know what it's saying there? Paul said, the suffering I'm going through is not only for me to get comfort, but for me to take the comfort that you give me to go give to somebody else who is suffering. Well, we don't want that kind of comfort in the church. We don't really want God's comfort. We want God's relief. We want God to take it away. 
God, I answer if I answer prayers, he takes the suffering away. But even a greater unbelievable miracle is that he gives you comfort in the suffering. Doesn't make sense to a lost person or a person who's never had it. But there's people everywhere that the suffering ain't going nowhere because the circumstances and the consequences probably ain't going to change. But even in the midst of those unchangeable circumstances, you can find comfort in Jesus. That's unbelievable. Look what Paul says in verse 4. Well, first he says, the mercies of God in all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation. He comforts us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. You know, here lately, I'm going to confess, I've been a little whining. I, I, I don't like to suffer. And I come to church and I'm not always having my attention in the right place. I'm not looking for the right thing. And I surely ain't been looking for the insignificant fragments that God wants me to gather up. Have you? Let me just ask you, where is our attention this morning? What are you looking at? Where are you focused? And I want to ask you, can we see the insignificant fragments that need to be gathered before they are lost? Because Jesus was the only one who noticed 12 baskets of bread that needed to be gathered that still had value and use to help another person. The ones that had been helped by the grace and provision of Jesus, they got full, they forgot. Why else would Jesus tell them to gather it? He just fed them. Because sooner or later, they're going to come into another hungry soul's presence who's going to need help. When God comforts you, it ain't just to comfort you for the sake of your comfort. And so now you can go and help someone else who's suffering who doesn't know about his comfort. Paul said he comforts us so that we can comfort others. I want you to think about this. Every Sunday there are those sitting around us who are suffering without the comfort of Christ in their life. I guarantee you there's somebody here this morning came their attention. They know what they need. They know what it feels like to not have the comfort of Christ abounding in their life right now. But I promise you, you may not run into one here. But if you start looking where you ought to look and put your attention where it needs to be, I guarantee you at your workplace, I guarantee you where you go to school, I guarantee you on your street where you live, there's people everywhere who are lost insignificant fragments of life who we don't even recognize that are worthy to be gathered to Jesus, who need a helping hand, who need to have a a touch of God's encouragement that, yeah, I know it's hard, I know you're suffering, but listen, God can bless you and comfort you in your suffering. You're not alone. I've been there. I've had this happen to me. I've seen this. I've been sick. I've lost a loved one. i got someone who loves me that I love dearly who's going astray. I know what it feels like. But in the midst of my suffering, God's with me and he comforts me. Or I'd have given up a long time ago. They're insignificant because we don't see them just like they didn't see the 12 baskets of bread. But those 12 baskets of bread could have done a lot to a hungry family. Just like we look around today. I, I, I don't know about y'all, but I get places, I get a word from God from unlikely places sometimes. That has to be under the scripture. It has to be, but how many know who Charlie Daniels is? 
You know, I've always loved Charlie Daniels. I loved his music from always. And I, I love him even more that I'm older. I know he, he's, a, he's a great American patriot. He loves our country. And he's not only a wonderful musician and songwriter, but he's a wonderful man of God, an example of someone who fame and fortune didn't corrupt and ruin. Stayed humbled. He stayed godly. He stayed true. He stayed focused on the right things. His attention was in the right place. And he wrote a book called Never Look at the Empty Seats. It's the autobiography of his life. And I began to look at Charlie Daniels lately. I was intrigued with him. And I seen that he was a Christian. I always knew he was a Christian who stood up for his faith. And I knew he was an American that loved the Lord. He's got all these ministries that he, he created and funds um, wounded warrior project. He, he helps bring warrior, warriors, our veterans, out of combat zones and helps trans, get them back into a civilian life. And he spends his own money. He gives his own time. He personally goes to these men and he loves them. These veterans love him. Go look at his, his um, you can go look at his funeral. Veterans stood and wept for this man because of how he loved them personally. And I was like, man, I was listening to Charlie. I was like, man, this is unbelievable. And then he says, never look at the empty seats. And I'm like, what is that? That's a crazy name for a book. So I began to check it out. And as I'm looking, I'm finding things out about Charlie Daniels that I never knew. Praise God for this good old southern prophet from Tennessee. Amen. Because, man, you can learn from a God like him. And as I began to read about this book, this is what he said. Charlie said, I know the title is kind of weird, so let me explain it. When you're just starting out trying to establish a music career, if you're truly serious about it, you'll play just about anywhere, for just about anybody, for just about anything they'll give you. And believe you me, you're going to play to a lot of empty seats. But it's not the empty seats you're interested in. It's the seats with people in them. So you don't even look at the empty seats As far as you're concerned, every seat is full. And you do your show with the same energy and effort as if it was really a full house. Then the people who do come to see your show will probably come back the next time you're in town and may very well bring someone with them. That is how you build a following. I personally have been looking way too much at the empty seats. It looks good today. I guess I got right with God, so God bless me. But I ain't the only one. I got people come to me. We need to go back to one service. It's so hard. There's nobody there. Like, we don't get to see everybody. And, and I just don't get it with the few people. And I got people telling me to do this. And I got others telling me, I love the ones, two services. And I'm in the middle. And, and I'm like, Lord, I'll be honest. I'd rather do one service. But I know God told us to do what we're doing. And I'm whining because I'm thinking, man, it was so much better when we all was here and it looked fuller. You know what God did? Pow! Took Charlie Daniels and popped me right between the eyes. And then he took John's gospel and popped me through the eyes again, gave me two black eyes this week. And all I could do is say, God, I'm sorry. God said, if you quit looking at them empty seats and start looking at them people sitting in them, that's who you came to preach to. And you know what? Charlie Daniels, as I read about him, he didn't look at people as an intrusion like many famous people do. He looked at people as an opportunity, a gift from God to give back to them who helped to give him 
the awesome life that God gave him. You know what Charlie Daniel said? He said, I always, unless I'm in a hurry to catch a plane or it's uncontrollable beyond my mouth, but if anybody recognizes me, I give them the time to say, how are you doing? What's your name? And I sign an autograph for them. He says, because they are the ones who made it possible for me to have this wonderful life that God gave me. His pastor said this about him. They went on a trip to Israel, and they were on a spiritual trip, a, a, a trip for them to come and be renewed and restored. And they're sitting at breakfast, and these people that don't even speak good English are looking, and he said, Charlie didn't have his hat on, so he thought he was under disguise, but they recognized him. He said, and they're over here going, and they're looking, and he said, Charlie's giggling. They, they know me. He said, you know what Charlie did? Oh, no, they're going to ruin breakfast. They see us. Charlie got up, walked over to the waitress, got the coffee pot, <laughs> walked over to the table and started pouring their coffee, started serving them and said, I'm Charlie Daniels, how y'all doing? He said, they were like, ah! He said, next thing you know, Charlie Daniels sits down and he's spending all their breakfast and he's sitting there and they're like, Charlie, we got to go on the tour. And he's, he, he is just loving on them people. Charlie Daniels knows how to spot the lost, insignificant fragments that make life worth living for. We've lost it today. I've lost it at times. There's not a person in this room that's not significant to God. There's not a person you'll run in contact this week that's very significant and important to God, and they should be important to us if we belong to God. If God's give us comfort and helped us with our suffering, we ought to be recognizing those people out there who need to be gathered, who need to have a touch from the loving hand of God. Charlie said, don't look at them empty seats. Look at them full seats. That's where the things that matter are at. You know what? After this week, I said, God, I don't care if there's 550 or 250. If every seat's full and people are standing, I'm going to preach the same. I'm going to preach Jesus with all the passion I can muster up, with everything you can give me by your grace, and I'm going to share whatever you tell me to share. And Jesus said, well, then go tell them what I've been telling. I don't know about y'all, but there's people out there hurting, amen? There's people in our church hurting. A lot of times we're so busy thinking about ourselves, and it's not the way I wish it was, that we don't even see the significant, valuable, important people that make us who we are. Now, I know what you're thinking. You know, when you look around, and we didn't have as many here in the first service, but there's been some slack ones here lately. Because a lot of people think it's not significant to go to church, apparently, sometimes. And I need to shut up on that. Essential. Help me, Jesus. But all kidding aside, a lot of times stuff that looks like to us, it's not important, it's not of value, it's not significant. When you gather it all together, it changes and becomes significant. Because I don't know about you at my house, but I eat a lot of bread. Do y'all believe that? We can go through some loaves of bread. And sometimes I'll have it on my mind here lately, tomato sandwich. Get the blue bell out, get a big tomato ball, good one ready. I go to the pantry and open, and it's an old run-down, beat-up, half-empty sack of sunbeam, ink but two ends and an old mashed end. And I'll throw it back in there and say, why ain't you going to get no bread, Diane? I, I don't think twice, I throw it away. And then on top of that, I'll go to the freezer, and she takes all of them and sticks them in the freezer. And I'll be like, you taking up all my blue bell room with this old sorry bread. Ain't nothing but crumbs in there. But Diane don't see it that way. See, Diane can gather those old scrap pieces of sunbeam, and she can make this. How many of you ever ate 
Diane's red pudding. I won't tell you. To make that, you got to gather those insignificant fragments of bread. And I don't throw bread away no more. I bring it to her and say, here, go put it. She made us that one. We're going to eat it, me and Skeeter, in about an hour from now. It's going to be in trouble. But I want to tell you something, guys. Unless we have the right attention, we understand the appetite and what it ought to be about, we can miss many, many blessings in life. There's a lot of things in the church that we have not realized are exactly the way they are because that's how God wants them to be. Coronavirus is not an accident. The spiritual condition of America is not an accident. It's been caused. What's going on around us, all the unrest, all the anxiety, and all the, 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 that you see going around us, even in the midst of it, if America never changes, if God never restores America again, if she's never made a grin, great. God can comfort you in the midst of a suffering, dying nation that's turned from God. And he can lift you up and comfort you and give you peace. No matter what your circumstance is, no matter how trapped you feel, you're never trapped with Jesus. Can I get an amen? Because his comfort is abundant, even in the abundance of our suffering. You know what? God said, quit whining and go preach. Quit feeling sorry for yourself because the church ain't got as many people in it as you wish it had. Be thankful for the ones you got. Go love them, preach them. They hurting too. They just as unhappy with some of this as you. Man, every time I turn on Fox, I get mad. You know what God said? Quit turning on Fox. Listen to me. Stand on the promises. We got all God we want today. What's your appetite? Do you want more of God? He's got more to give you. What's your attention on? Is it on what God wants or what you want? See, God will give us what we need, but he doesn't always give us what we want. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm humble enough to say, God, I need your comfort. Will you comfort me, God? God said, I'll comfort you if you'll comfort others. You know what I found? The more I put my attention on y'all and other people, and the more that I allow what God gives me to be given away, the more he gives me. And as he makes me comfortable, and I go to try to help others to be comfortable, he just keeps me comfortable in the midst of all this chaos that we know as life today in America. Friends, I'm here to tell you, God don't need to change America to make you get comfortable this morning. Do you want his comfort? Now, I want you to think, you think, it's insignificant. We're just a little group of people. Looking out, spread out here, we don't look that significant. But I guarantee you, if everybody here today piled up like a basket up here on this altar and got right and started interceding on the behalf of America... And your lost people and the people that's hurting and dying, we'd look real significant. We'd say, golly, we got so many people this morning because we'd fill this little area up. You see, it's where you want to go and what you want to do. I'm like, Lord, when are we going to realize we need to get on our knees at the altar and weep and cry out to you for what only you can provide? He may not fix America. He may not change our situation. COVID may never leave. I don't know. I don't care anymore. I care, but I'm not going to let that control my comfort level I get up in the morning I kneel down I say Jesus it's another day can you help me Lord I'm suffering I don't like this Lord I don't know what to do with this I don't have the answer but I know you do Lord so here I am you know what I keep finding out every confusing every day every day with bad news Jesus is steady comforting me how about you what a God we serve it starts with getting saved
Not getting religion. Coming to Jesus. He don't want to give you, make you religious. He don't want to make you keep rules. He wants you to have a relationship. He just wants you to come and say, Lord, I know I'm not where I need to be with you. I'm coming today to say, forgive me. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. And I'm suffering for some of it. But Lord, I'm not just coming to get my suffering coming away. I'm coming because I want you. And the Lord will come into your life. And life won't be perfect, but I promise you it'll be better. And he'll be with you. And even in the suffering, he's never promised us that we'll never have times of trouble and tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. I've overcome this world. And I will give you peace in the tribulation. So today, I want to encourage you to focus your attention on him, on his comfort. Have an appetite for him, not just what he can do. And then look around for those around you and gather the lost insignificant fragments. And you know what God will do? He'll bless you. He'll bless you. We're going to stand. You know what you need to do if God's speaking to your heart. Just listen. If God's telling you to come and pray and intercede for something, maybe there's somebody here that you know is going through something. Go put your arm around him and say, I love you, sister. I love you, brother. I know what it's like. I've been there. I want to pray with you. I want you to know God can help you. We need one another. And we need God. So today, I just want to ask you to obey and do what God's told you to do. And Father, we come. It's a crazy sermon. It's different. But Lord, I know it spoke to me and it gave me real, real good Help. I pray that it will help us today to get our attention on the right thing, to be hungry for that which we need instead of what we think we want. Lord, adjust our appetites, focus our attentions, and help us to be able to see the lost, insignificant fragments that are all around us that you want us to gather, to be used for your glory and for our benefit. Lord, there's somebody here I know who needs to do business with you. Help them today, Lord. Touch me in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Just obey God.